Father, have your way, have your way. Speak to us today, we pray. Um, And Lord God, as always, if there's anything that you don't want said, just have me forget it. If there's something that you specifically want said, Lord God, I pray that your spirit would bring it to the forefront of my mind, that it would be spoken, that each and every one of us would take nuggets of gold away from today. We thank you for what you want to do in our lives. We thank you for all the dreams and the purposes and plans you have for us. And we look forward to those coming to pass as we allow you to move in our lives. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. (sighs) Young Sally said to me before, I asked her how she went yesterday or what she did yesterday afternoon. And she mentioned that her family was back in the garden. The last couple of weeks I've been talking about gardening and pruning. And it started with God speaking to me when I decided that I would get into my garden for the first time in about three years. Um, needless to say, I told Sally that I'm not ready yet to get back into the garden. It's only been a few weeks, but I, I believe God wants to continue to speak to us about pruning and gardening. Yeah. So on that first Sunday, uh, two weeks ago now when I, when I was speaking, I, I actually just shared that regardless of whether we're healthy or unhealthy, God, the word tells us that he's going to cut away the dead wood and that he's actually going to prune all the branches that have produced fruit. So we're going to get cut anyway. And he does that to prepare us, to prepare us for the season ahead, to get us ready for the next upgrade. Yeah? He does that so that we can be stronger, so that we can produce more fruit. He does that so we can look more like his son Jesus. Yeah, it's actually a really good thing. I also said last week that often we can miss those times of pruning because pruning hurts. I don't know about anybody else, but pruning hurts. Cutting hurts, you know, like it just does. You know, and I used the example last week, sometimes if you get a branch and you cut it particular plants, they, they weep those, they, that, that white creamy stuff. And if you hit a tree hard enough, sap comes out, you know, like if you're cutting stuff, it just, it seems to bleed in nature's way, you know, because it hurts. And God uses this example of him as a gardener that he's going to come and he's going to prune and he's going to cut us. And often, because of the pain involved, we miss what God's doing. And in fact, unlike a tree that doesn't move when you're pruning it or a plant that doesn't move when you're pruning it, we sometimes move around while we're being pruned, trying to get away You know, from the, what are they called? Secretaries, that'll do. I never pronounce it right, so I wasn't going to jump in there first. Yeah? So the reality of all that is God wants to prune us to make us more like his son. We need to somehow understand what he wants to do and allow him to do it. Hold on long enough because the best legitimately is always yet to come. You know, and I know that's a catch cry from many a church that the best is yet to come because you think, well, if the best is yet to come, then I, some of us, some of you might feel like you're, you're, you're best now. You're in your best now. The truth is, God will actually begin to prune. The pruning season never ends. (laughs) I just thought I'd put that out there. You know, once you've pruned your garden, you come back next year, you do it again. Come back next year, you do it again. And every year it gets better and better. It looks better, grows stronger, flowers more. That's what God does with our life, yeah? We just need to know what he's up to, yeah? And get ready for what he wants to do. So today, what, what I want to focus on today is why. You know, why, why, like really God, why, why, or more so, what's the outcome? You know, what is the outcome? If we're going to go through this process that can be painful, that we can run from, why should I? Why would I want to? 
Has anyone here ever asked this question, or even in the last couple of weeks, maybe, why, God, do you want to put us through this? Like, seriously, you do, don't you? Like, I think all of us, if we were to be honest, would be saying, God, why? Do, you know, do we have to? Seriously? Not that branch. I'm producing fruit there. Why all of a sudden the thing's dying there? You know why? Why am I not producing the fruit there like I used to produce? The truth is, he's probably pruned you. You're going to produce more fruit, but not just yet. Yeah. You know why should we hold on in the middle of it? Why? Why should we let him? Why should we let him prune us? Why should we let him cut us? Because God's a gentleman. He never forces his way into your life. Yeah, and he doesn't prune you for the sake of pruning you. Yeah, without your permission. Yeah, he needs you to be on board. He needs you to hold on to the process and take ownership of the process. Yeah. So I want to suggest the beauty of the cutting and the pruning is that we actually end up better than we were before every time. Yeah, not just a one-off. Every time that he prunes us, every time that he cuts us, we actually end up better than we were before. Yes, we're already saved. Yes, we're already on this side of the cross. Yes, we're citizens of heaven. Yes, we're ambassadors. Yeah. Yes, we're seated with him in heavenly places. Yeah. Yes, we can do great. Yes, 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 yes. But we do live on earth. Yeah. So that's why we pray the prayer in he- you know, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we live on earth. We have frailties. We have sicknesses. Yeah. This isn't heaven here. We're doing our best to bring heaven here. If this was heaven, I'd be really disappointed with God. Yeah, seriously. Wouldn't you be disappointed with God if this was heaven? If this was a kingdom of heaven, it's really God. I've got an ingrown toenail. This is ridiculous. I don't have one. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah? So, you know, like it's, if this was heaven, I wouldn't have an ingrown. This, so we're working towards stuff and we're always getting better, becoming more and more like his son, Jesus, from glory to glory, strength to strength. So I think for us... If we're going to produce more fruit, we need to see what he's doing. We need to understand what he's doing. We need to hear what he's doing. We need, you know, we need to be able to know that in this process, I don't feel like it now. It's the worst thing I'm ever experiencing, but I know I'm going to grow. Yeah? I know I'm going to grow. Actually, you know what? That's actually really good. That's a good phrase. You look to someone and just say, I know I'm going to grow. Like you just should. It's just really good. Like, you know, we know we're going to grow. See, if, if we knew what he was up to, like think about it, if we knew what he was up to, it says that he cuts away the dead wood. So if we knew what he was up to, we would let him do the cutting because he's cutting away pain, he's cutting away trauma, he's cutting away heartache, he's cutting away disappointment, he's cutting away doubt, he's cutting away anger, he's cutting away all this stuff. I can't say it in church. Normally I would say that sucks, but I can't say it in church, so I won't say it. He cuts away all the stuff that's no good, yeah? He cuts away all the stuff that doesn't bring life. In fact, he cuts away all the stuff that brings death. You know, you let a disease in your tree, I've learnt, because my, my trees are now riddled with stuff, you leave the disease there long enough, it takes hold, yeah? So he wants to cut it away. If we knew what he was cutting away, we wouldn't be running from the pain, yeah? We'd be sitting there with him, allowing him to cut it away. And in fact, if we knew what, what he was up to when he was pruning, we would allow him to prune. 
Because the whole pruning process is to make us stronger. The whole pruning process is to give us such strength that when the storms of life come, we can actually stand there alone. It actually makes us more like his son, Jesus. If we understood that, we'd allow him. We'd say, cut away, God, wouldn't we? We'd say, go for it. Because <laughs> it's making us more like Jesus. It's developing our character. So it's really important that despite how comfortable it is, we need to let him. We need to trust him. We need, you and I, we need to allow him to do the cutting and to do the pruning. We have to. See, he wants to finish what he started. Yeah, that's, that's the type of God that he is. He wants to finish what he started. He wants to finish what he's planned because the best is yet to come. And like I said last week, for those that weren't here, uh, grab it on, on, online if you like. But I was saying that even when life seems out of control, God's always in control. Yeah? And we, remember we looked at the basket with Moses in it, floating? There was no way of controlling that. Moses' life at that point was out of control, but God had it in control. Noah in the ark, yeah, they weren't steer, steering that ship like some speedboat with people skiing behind it. It was there with animals on it just going for it, you know? Totally out of control, but in God's control. Sometimes we just need to realise that even when stuff is painful and is out of control, God's in control of it. That's, he's a good God, yeah? He's a good God. There's a, a, a really cool quote. Michelangelo is actually quoted as saying, uh, saying this, because I, I want to put it into perspective of what Father wants to do with the pruning and cutting process. Because yeah? it's a challenge for us to step into it yeah? and to allow him and sometimes to invite him in. Yeah? But this is what Michelangelo is quoted as saying, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. Think about it. I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. So what is it that God sees in you? What is it that he's planned in you? That's why when we talk about, I know we always often use Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and you know, prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope. So he's got plans for us that he can see. He can see the angel in the marble. Yeah, He's just going to keep carving away until he sets it free. Yeah. What about Isaiah 64, 8? Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We're all the work of your hand. Yeah. So he's molding us. He has a picture in mind. I know some of you are thinking about the people that are sitting behind you or in front of you, and you're thinking, that couldn't have been God's picture, could it? But it was. Yeah? God had a picture, and he's molding you into that picture. Like Michelangelo, he saw the angel in the marble. He just keeps carving yeah, away until he sets it free. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's masterpiece. He's masterpiece. Yeah, he's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do things that he planned for us long ago. He knows what we're supposed to look like. He knows what he's planned for us to do. But to get us there... There's this season or seasons of cutting, seasons of pruning, yeah, that we need to partner with him in so that, like Michelangelo, he can set us free, amen? He knows the plans. He sees the shape. He knows the outcome. 
And as much as many of us don't often feel like it we're in the, when we're in the middle of it, you need to know today that you're his masterpiece. Amen? I want you to watch this video quickly. You'll like it. It's really good. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, but I want to. So I go to God and I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, would you do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son? Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. No, oh, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. <laughs> you're not God. No, I am. Okay, uh, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. You are God. <laughs> What's that about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Let's get busy. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to bring up things in your life that don't belong in your life. And uh, start right here. Your anger. Ow! I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrongest of ways. You compare yourself to others instead of me. And you lie. You tell little white lies. You're so afraid of confrontation. You're becoming a people pleaser. Okay, time out. Um, I think you've done some really good work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately, you and other people need to see my son. Okay, but when I look like Jesus, people get uncomfortable, and I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, what I'm saying is you've grown me to here. Maybe we take a break from each other for a while, all right? And then I'll stay here, and then you come back, and we can grow some more. You never just take a break from me. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but you never just plateau. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, no, chisel. All right, here we go. Can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, sorry. <laughs> this right here, that secret sin, that thing that you run to whenever you're hurting, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. Do you want to keep rearranging this in your life or do you want me to chisel it out? Chisel it. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. This, this hurts, okay? I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you are doing in your life that are insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. I know, but I've let you down so many times, God. No. You were never holding me up. Okay. Then chisel away. But just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I hate what I see in the mirror because inside is this scared, stupid kid. And I try. I try, but I can't. I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. So chisel away and just know what you're going to find in there. You have listened to so many voices, so many critics for far too long that are not for me. And you've bought into the lie. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, at the end of the day, you think you're junk. I don't take time to make junk. I want to show you something about my love. Reach in your back pocket. This is a, it's a page from a notebook when I was in college. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, read it. 
You're God. Did I hear you right? You said you want to use me. But I feel really useless. But if you can take this life, this mess of a life I have, and do with it what you want. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. It's gonna be tough. Yes. But you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you said yes to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's. No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I made you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. You are an original masterpiece. Hey, come on. <laughs> oh. He knows, he sees, he's planned, he's purposed, yeah? For those of you that are uh, bakers in the house, you see what you're baking before you even start. You see the finished product, yeah? You actually know when it's not right. Yeah? You know, and you make adjustments. You know what it is that you're cooking before you start cooking. For those that have, that have bought houses or, or renting new houses, you're, you have a vision of what it's going to look like when you furnish it, and you know what sits out of place and what sits right. You know. That's, that's our father with our life. He knows. He knows what we're supposed to be. He knows when we're right. He knows when we're not right. He knows when we're carrying things that we shouldn't be carrying. He knows what he needs to do that we need to allow him to do so that that finished picture, he wants to start the good work. He wants to finish the good work that he started, yeah? He sees the finished product and so he chisels. For us, he prunes, he cuts, he gardens, he does what he does. Also, he can see the finish because he can see the finished product and he wants to finish it in us. And I love a scripture that we used a few weeks ago, Isaiah 61.3. And the second part of that, uh, after it says in a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. When he's finished chiseling, when he's finished pruning, when he's finished cutting that particular season, it's for the display of his splendor. He goes, check it out. That's my son. That's, that's my daughter. That, that's my child for the display of his splendor. He shows us off. Yeah, That's outstanding. That's how much he loves us. If we could see what he sees for us, like if we could really see it, if we could see it, I believe we would, we would be praying a prayer that would sound something like, bring it on, God. Bring it on, God. Bring it on. If we could see what he sees, I think we would have a divine dissatisfaction within us because there would be a desire for what he sees. Yet, yes, we're content because of what he's done in us, but 
standing where we're at, we can see what he now sees, what he's pruning at and cutting at and chiseling at and moulding at. And so within us, there would be a divine dissatisfaction to say, God, I want that. Bring it on. Yes, please. You know, John 14, 12, I love it. Because one of the things that he sees is this, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Because what, the Papa, what Papa sees in you is extraordinary. Yeah, you, you, you've got to speak it to yourself. What he sees in you is supernatural. And that's what he's planned for you and I from the very beginning. If we could get a picture of, of that, we would let him cut us and we would let him prune us and we would let him chisel us and we would let him mould us. I want to give you a picture of what he sees because I think we need to stir up a fire. We need to stir up a desire within each and every one of us. It's not about looking to see what we're not. Yeah, It's not about that. Yeah, That's orphan thinking. Okay, Hear me. I'm not trying to say this is what we're not. That's orphan thinking. What I am trying to do is saying this is what Papa has for us. This is where he wants to take us. See, that's sonship. That's how a son and a daughter thinks. Yes, he's speaking that into my life. He wants to cut that. He wants to prune that because his plan and purpose for me is good. It's actually a good thing. Let me show you how good it can be. I love this. The early church was full of power, wasn't it? And in fact, in fact, the world at the time was in utter awe of them. It says in Acts 4, from verse 33, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses could sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give those in need. This is a pruned life. This is a life that daddy has moulded, cut and chiselled because in their communities, no one was lacking. Yeah, Think about it. That's how they lived together, Yeah, right? They were cut, they were chiselled. No one, it says, had any physical needs of any kind. And, and you know what? We could go as far as to say this because we, we live in Ballarat. There was no one on government assistance, right? I don't mean that as a bad thing, but the world was in awe of them because they created something in amongst them that was so significantly different to everything else. They were countercultural. They were extraordinary. They were supernatural. And the world was in awe. What about Acts 9 from verse 32? Meanwhile, Peter travelled from place to place. He came down to visit the believers in the town of uh, Lydda or Lydda. There he met a man named Aeneas who had been paralysed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly, yeah? Then the whole population of Ballarat and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around and they turned to the Lord. There is a location that is in complete awe of the sons and daughters of God because you know what? They have entered into, they've agreed with, they've held on, they've allowed, they've invited the pruning, the cutting, the chiseling, the moulding and they're saying, yes, God, use me. And off he goes. Snip, snip, snip. But it hurts. Oh, no, not now. 
you know? But he can see what we can be, yeah? And if we can see what we can be through his eyes, we'll grab hold of the process. It's not about lingering in what we don't have. It's not about sitting in what we're not. That, that's just not a godly way of thinking. But it's about acknowledging that there is something better in him. Yes, please, Lord, I step into that. Yeah? We, you and I, are the salt of the earth. Yeah? We're the light on the hill. That's us. That's awesome. We are living a life this side of the cross. Bill Johnson has, I'm sure it was Bill, has a lovely little video that someone sent me during the week where he says, John the Baptist, when, when Jesus came and John the Baptist was there, John goes, I'm stepping away now, less of me and more of him. Yeah. But once Jesus came and we've accepted him into our life, he doesn't say less of you and more of me. He actually says, now I'm the light of the world. And then what does he say to us? He goes, you're the light. You're the light, you're the light, you're the light, you're the light. Yep, yeah, you're the salt, you're the salt, you're the salt, you're the salt. He brings us up to where he is. And that's the picture that God sees for us. Chisel, chisel, prune, prune, cut, cut. Acts 19.10. From that place they went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. In two years the whole of Asia had heard the gospel. Could you imagine if we could say in two years, the whole of Victoria heard the gospel? Every single living being. Could you imagine? They were in awe. They were extraordinary. They were supernatural. They had been cut and pruned and chiseled and moulded. Yeah? That's what he sees for us as his sons and his daughters. You know, they... They so allowed God to do a work in their life that as they walked and talked in their everyday life, yeah, the people in their community thought that they were gods. Just let that sink in. Normal, ordinary people like you and I, allowing God to do his work in us, cutting away what's dead, pruning what has life to bring more life, chiseling the stuff that he knows shouldn't be there, moulding us into the picture that he has. Yeah, These people were seen as gods. Acts 10, 25. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up. I'm a human being just like you. If, you're living out, if we're living out our true identity, our original design, people around us will sometimes think that we're gods. They just will. Not because we're special, but because the spirit of the living God works through us. When we lay hands on the sick are healed. When we speak to people, we get words of knowledge and we're prophetic words for people. Yeah, We bring love and comfort and acceptance. What about Acts 14? It's a long reading, so I'll take snippets of it. While from um, verse 8, it says, While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Verse 11, When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, These men are gods in human form. 
They were in awe just because they were living the life that Father God had destined for them, had purpose for them, had planned for them. Yeah? You get down to verse 14 and it says, But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothes and their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you, just like us. If we will allow him to do the cutting, yeah, getting all of the dead wood, if we allow him to do the pruning, yes, there's life where he prunes, but there'll be more life, yeah? Maybe once, maybe once you saw a headache healed. Maybe once you saw a cold go, but maybe tomorrow it'll be cancer or a tumour or someone with MS stepping out of a wheelchair. Maybe we just need to allow God to finish the work that he started in us, amen? I believe, I so believe we have to put ourselves in their shoes because I think that's a glimpse of what Papa has purposed and planned for us. They weren't gods. They were just like you and me, but they believed in Jesus. They believed in the journey. They believed in the process. And the only difference between them and us is they've just allowed him to prune. They've allowed him to cut. They've allowed him to chisel. They've allowed him to mould. You know, when they got together to pray and worship, I love this. This is cool, right? This is really... Remember, put yourself in their shoes. When they got together to pray and worship, the word says the ground shook. Literally, yeah? It wasn't just their heart, you know, going through some palpitation. (laughs) It was literally the ground that was shaking. Acts 4.31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. Yeah. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. I can't wait. It's not about the stuff, but I can't wait to where we're in a prayer meeting on a Thursday night. And after this prayer, the ground shakes. So for those that have been to the prayer meetings, can you imagine? We're sitting there, some are standing, some are walking, you know, some are moving, doing all that. We've got music playing. And that just as we, somebody finishes praying, yes, Lord, and we just, blah, 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 blah. and then all of a sudden there's this, and the ground starts to shake. Man, wouldn't that be exciting? That's the stuff that we should be hungry for. That's the stuff that we should be sharing out there. That's the stuff. That for every church in every location puts souls in seats. Yeah? It's not about it's not about the extra people, but it's about the fact that people are in awe, in awe, like they were of the early church. Because like the video that we watched, if you keep doing that, you know, they'll see Jesus and they'll be freaked out. But that's what people need to see, yeah? The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I know it's not easy and I know it can hurt. And, and I think over the last couple of years, I've, I feel like, you know, and my wife can testify, I feel like God's just constantly pruning and cutting and chiseling. There's always something. There's always something. And sometimes, like that video, you want to say, that's enough. But there's a... a a great quote from Chris Valadon, and he says, Champions are forged in the crucible of life and are moulded by the potter's hands, which often look familiar, human, and anything but divine. Yeah? yeah? You getting that? Yeah. 
Champions are forged in the crucible of life and are moulded by the potter's hands, which often look familiar, human, and anything but divine. So we are, we are his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. We are his champions. And all of this process is so that we can be more like him. All of this process is so we can produce more fruit than ever before. See, the pruning and the cutting will leave us in a state that will cause the world to be in awe of us. Um, Can you throw that picture up here? Thanks, Janine. Can anybody read that? Burgeon, to grow rapidly to flourish. Janine. Janine put it on Facebook. No, no, it wasn't as in Elise, thank you for putting it up. It was thank you, Janine, who put it on Facebook for those that were confused. See, this week, Janine posted something on Facebook and um, she wrote that she'd heard a word over and over and over and it was the word burgeoning, burgeoning, yeah? And so obviously I'm assuming she looked it up. I didn't know it. I, I needed to look it up and thank goodness the meaning is what you see in that picture there, yeah? Burgeoning. And this is what Janine posted on Facebook. I see burgeoning blossom trees all around me almost touching the ground under the weight of the blossom they display. A prophetic symbol of the sons and daughters of God. Put up your hand if you're a son or daughter of God. A prophetic symbol of the sons and daughters of God rising up to take their place now. It's time to rise. It's time to burgeon. Why don't we stand See, the burgeoning's possible because the garden has been pruning. The burgeoning's possible because the garden has been cutting. Yeah? The burgeoning's possible, and you're getting close to his finished product for this season because he's been chiseling away. Yeah? And so we, as a church and as a people, just need to let him finish what he started, even in amongst the pain. Why don't we all. If you don't mind, let's close our eyes. See, God wants to prune us. He wants to mould us. He wants to chisel and cut at us. The question for you and I today is, will we let him? Because there's a world waiting for the real you. That quote from Michelangelo was, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. Today, God sees the finished product in you, and he wants to carve and mould and prune and cut until he sets it free. But we need to allow him. We need to invite him. We need to hold on in and amongst the pain. Yeah? But the finished product, the world, the world, everybody around us, our sons, our daughters, people in the local community will be in awe of us. Yeah? And truly where we walk, the atmosphere changes. Truly where we pray, the earth, yeah, the ground starts to shake. So Father, at this moment right now, Lord, we want to pray, God. Pray that, Lord, we will step into a pruning process. We want to step into, Lord, a cutting process. We want to step into a chiseling process. But I've said all the way through, it's something that we need to allow. It's something that we need to invite him into. Yeah? 
even in the pain, when it seems mundane, when it doesn't seem like him, we need to allow him. So church, with every eye closed, this is what I want to ask each and every one of us that are in here today. Are you prepared and are you ready to step into a pruning season? Are you ready and are you prepared? Will you allow him to cut away the dead wood? Will you allow him to prune the stuff where there can be more life? Will you allow him to chisel the things away that aren't supposed to be there? If that's you, just now, I want to give you the opportunity. Just by no one's going to look at you, no one behind you, beside you, in front of you. I want to, I want to give you the opportunity to physically just raise your hands for a moment and put it back down and say, God, that's me. Yes, please. Yes, please, God, prune. Yes, please, God, chisel. Yes, please, God, do the work in me that the world would be in awe. Father, you've seen every hand. Lord, that's raised. God, you know every heart that's being challenged. Lord, you know every heartbeat that's, that, that's pounding right now. And Father, we pray that we would be a people that would step forward courageously and would say to the potter, yes. That we would say to the gardener, yes. That we would say, cut away the dead wood in our lives. We know it's going to be painful, but we know that you're there for us. Prune away areas where we can produce more fruit. Chisel the stuff that's just a dead weight that's weighing us down. Do the work in us that you may finish the work that you started. Thank you that you have a picture of us. Thank you that you have a plan for us. Thank you that you know the destiny and the destination that you've set for us. Lord God, give us that courage like Peter to step out of the boat and say, yes, Lord God, use us, take us, move us, maneuver us. Change us that we would be more like your son, Jesus. Change us that we would be a people that changes atmosphere. Work on us that the world would be in awe, that people would come to the knowledge of your son, Jesus, that people would see your power at work in healing and in word and in love. Lord God, we want to say thank you. Thank you for what you can do. Thank you for what you will do, Lord God. Thank you for what is to come. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We say, do your best in us. Do your best in us. Because, Lord God, we know that your best is yet to come. We bless you. 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 Just for a moment, I just, just with your own lips and your own words, just thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for what he's going to do. Thank the Lord for what he's done in your life. Just start to thank him. Start to praise him. Yeah, we sang a song that said, we, we, we want to sing this stuff loud. So just for yourself, just now, he's your God in your relationship, in the season that you're about to step into of pruning and cutting and chiseling. Just tell him that you're ready now. Use your words, your vocabulary, your language. Father, we just thank you. Lord, we just step into a place. I step into a place, Lord, where you can do a work in me. Continue to cut, continue to chisel. Father, I know there'll be days, Lord, that it won't feel like it. But Lord, I trust in you. Lord, I trust the finished product will be better than now. From glory to glory, from strength to strength. Glory to glory and strength to strength. Glory to glory and strength to strength. And everybody in the house said? Amen. 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 When the pruning starts, when the cutting starts, 
When the chiseling starts, don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Sometimes you'll need to share it. You'll need to be able to sit and have a conversation with someone. Hold on, hold on, hold on, because the finished product is worth what we're going to go through. Amen? Amen. Amen.